The following is a Thunderbolt West Media production. Today I'm going to help you find the perfect bug out location. You are listening to the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I'll talk about anything from government corruption to chemtrails. Also, I feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our Republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studios, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, at frequency 7.490, and also on WRMI, Radio Miami International, on frequency 5850. And you can tune in to Key Radio, 89.3 FM in Osage Beach, Missouri. And this show is also available on demand on Spreaker, Anchor, Podpoint, Podpage, and Red Circle. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith and be sure to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. I really appreciate you tuning in today to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. And as always, I have a list of things I want to talk about and then I have things that come up that just really kind of derail all of my plans, and this week's edition is no different than the others. But I do want to thank those who have sent in different reports, different videos. There's an awful lot of things that people want me to talk about, and I'm going to touch on a few of them, but I want to go more in-depth as soon as I can, so I do apologize for not just doing an in-depth show on what you've sent, because I want to tell you the things that you're sending in all deserve their own hour-long show, that's for sure. But I do have some investigative people out there that are looking into the death rates. And I don't want to get into too much on that because, like I say, it needs its own show. But I do want to say that the death rates due to this COVID vaccine, or if you want to call it a vaccine, is really starting to show up and take its toll. 
And one thing that I've noticed that also the location of where I'm getting some of my information backs up some of the things that I'm finding out is that the death rate for the death vax is higher in what are called red states or conservative states or Republican states, however you want to say it, than the blue states. Now, a lot of the blue states are higher populated, and so they're and so the amount of deaths is higher, but the percentage of the vaccine that was definitely tainted, definitely the kill shot, was given on purpose, in my opinion, to the red states. And from the information that I'm gathering about the death rates, and this is from everybody that's been sending things in, is that there are several kinds of the vaccine that went out. There were placebo type that were just nothing but saline solution. And then there was different degrees of strength as far as the death vax of how much it would actually put the spike proteins in your body and just how strong the concoction was. And it seems that the strongest concoctions, the ones that I consider the definite kill shot, by and large went to the red states. In the weaker doses and also the saline solutions, we're going to the blue states. Which again is another form of evil. And I don't know about you folks, but I'm getting really sick of these evil scientists and these evil politicians and these evil globalists. And they're going to get their comeuppance. I love that word, comeuppance. <laughs> they're going to get it though. It's going to happen. I don't know when. It might be Almighty God. But I sure would not want to be them and face the wrath of God because it won't be pretty for them. And also, I wouldn't want to be them to face the wrath of the people as the people wake up and find out what these evil people have done to them and their families. But anyway, I will do a whole show on the death rate as soon as I can. And I do want to thank those who are sending in information about that. Please keep sending it because I need more material for future shows as well. But just know that your work is not going unnoticed. I'm noticing that the death rates are higher than they should be, and they're really higher in the red states. So that's one thing. A few other questions that I had, and also some information, concerns Christian communities that are starting to pop up all over the country, and whether or not these Christian communities should be what you should consider to go to a bug-out location. Well, I'm just going to give you my gut hunch. I didn't do much research. I did enough research on a few of them that I know what I'm talking about as far as I know what they're offering. But I don't think you want to go from one bad situation to another. Now, I'm not saying because it's a Christian community that it's bad. But I'm saying that just because they say they're a Christian community doesn't mean that they are. And I really think that if you need a bug-out location, if you need a place to go, you should not go to a place where you're going to be encumbered in a group or have a so-called leader that's over the top of you. I think you're going to have to be a lone wolf when you break out to go to your bug-out location, wherever that may be. It needs to be of your choice that you need to go there. You need to know exactly why you're going and, and what's going to happen when you get there. And you need to have the freedom and the autonomy to do anything you need because we're entering into such a crazy, brave new world that you're going to need every bit of the freedom that you can possibly scrape up 
just to maneuver through some bad situations, I'm afraid. And I think if you join a community, I think that you're really taking a big chance. You're taking a big chance on the legitimacy of the organization and also the other people that they draw in. Who knows? I think what I'm trying to say is you need to be able to pick your own neighbor. And so I'm just going to stand by that. So to those who are looking into the Christian communities, if you want to do that, go ahead, but eyes wide open and really check it out. But if I was going to advise you, I would please ask you not to do that, to stay independent, find a small town that has good Christians in the town, old families that have been there for generations, stable businesses, stable police force, stable politics in that town, and more importantly, in the county. And if you can find a county that has a constitutional sheriff that is going to follow the Constitution and not the edicts of the king, King Biden, Mr. Big Guy, give him another 10%. If you have a county sheriff that won't do what illegitimate Joe says, well, I think you're better off. So instead of looking for a Christian community, I would look for a constitutional sheriff community in a small town that's not on a major highway, that's not in any target zones, that has good people that are well-established. That's my opinion, but I really do believe that's the way to go. I have several other topics that were emailed and mailed to me, and I'll get onto those very soon. But I want to get onto my topic today, which happens to be bug-out locations. I really think that we are in a time where you're going to need that bug-out location. If you live in a big city, get out. Get out now. Even if we don't have any more pandemics, even if we don't have a world war, even if we don't have any of these things, the social decay and rot with the transgender garbage and also the fentanyl and all the other really horrible drugs that the cartels are just trucking over in just waves across our poorest southern border is causing such drug addiction and such rampant overdose and horrible things happening in the larger communities that, well, even in the small communities, you can find a drug addict in any town. I don't care what size. But a dangerous drug addict with pushers and, uh, and organizations and gangs? If you think that society is bad today, fast forward another 10 years. They, meaning the powers that be, are trying to implode our country and also implode the Western world. And they're doing that through the transgender. And you could bet your bottom dollar that nobody at the top of this satanic cabal believes in transgenderism. That's just a tool they're using. They have all these useful idiots out there that they're getting them all messed up mentally. And also the pedophilia and the gang wars and the drugs on the street and the general lawlessness and the ineptitude of our police. The police either don't show up or they show up and get brutal. So I really think the cities are death traps. So get out of the cities. Even if there was no such thing as Russia, get out of the cities. Even if there's no such thing as any of this other stuff that's going on worldwide. Your local community, look at it. If you live in a big city, oh, you might live in a nice area. But what happens when the food runs out in the rough part of town, in the druggy part of town? in the gang war part of town, what are they going to do? 
Are they just going to sit there and be quiet? No, they're not. They're going to come to your part of town. And they're going to come in mass. And they're not going to come with any goodwill or humanitarianism. They'll be coming to get your food and to get you. So get out while you can. Now, where should you go? You would be safer living under a bridge in central Nebraska than you would be living in your home in, let's say, Philadelphia or Chicago or New York City. And you may not be as comfortable under that bridge, but you'll be a lot safer. So what I'm trying to say is, I don't think you can get much worse than where you live. I'm not talking about your personal community. I'm not talking about your township. I'm talking about your area. Then you look at Denver. Denver has become the murder capital of the United States. And so just moving into a big city in the central part of the United States isn't going to cut it. Kansas City is just riddled with drugs and gangs, as is Oklahoma City and and Omaha and all the other so-called cities that are in the Midwest. They're not worth going to. So get that thought of going to the city out of your head, because that's where it needs to be is totally gone. But you can find a small community and be relatively safe. But that said, East Palestine, Ohio, is a small community that was very safe. Just a bunch of small town people and farm folks. But what did the powers that be do to that small community? In my opinion, they did a chemical attack on that city because I think they're really going after the Mississippi River to ruin it. I think they're trying to ruin the Amish. In that whole farming area, I think that that's just one of many attacks that we the people are going to have. And another thing that that's telling people is that even the small towns are not necessarily that safe. But I will say that they're still much safer than cities. But one of the things I would look for is a small town. And what I mean by small is as small as you can tolerate. If you can tolerate a town of 20 people, then that would be what I would head for. If you have to have some shopping and some businesses, and the town needs to be anywhere from five to 10,000, well, by all means, go there. But I wouldn't get much bigger than 20,000. I really wouldn't. And ultimately, you would be better off in a small community of 10 people and be self-sufficient. That would be the most perfect thing to do. Because the smaller the community, the smaller the target that's on it. But I do have some things I want to say about small communities that you need to look out for and also look for. One thing, don't go to a bedroom community that's close to a big city. Don't go to a commuter town. Don't go to any small town that's on a major highway. Don't go to any small town that has a railroad track going through it. Don't go to any town that has an airport of any size. Now, most small towns have a small little airport for single-engine crop dusters and things like that. I'm not talking about those kind of airports. I'm talking about a commercial airline type of an airport. Stay away from any place that mass transportation can deliver lots of people to your area. Now, you may think I'm being paranoid, but if you're going to go to the trouble of moving to be safe, well, let's make sure you're safe. That's all I'm saying. And the best thing to be safe against these evil people is to be around as few a people as you can possibly be and a place that people just don't know about or won't go. Now, I'm not recommending you go to Wyoming or Montana 
or western Nebraska, or parts of the Dakotas, even though on a map they look pretty inviting. But there's a lot of military installations and also missiles located in those areas. And so small towns in that area, I don't think are a viable option. You're way too close. And then plus all of the small towns that would be close to Yellowstone, and I'm talking within 500 miles of Yellowstone National Park, you have to know that both the Chinese and the Russians do have plans to nuke Yellowstone National Park. And you might say, well, why would they do that? There's a very fragile fault line and also a possible volcano that could erupt at any time right there in that corner of Wyoming. And one well-placed nuke inside of Yellowstone National Park could do about the same thing that Mount St. Helens did way back in the day, but it would do a lot more damage because the area is much bigger and there would be a lot more damage and a lot more damage to our atmosphere. It would put us into a lot colder weather because we wouldn't see much sunshine for a long time. And so that one nuclear bomb could disrupt half the United States just off of that target. And New Mexico looks inviting, except the politics of New Mexico are corrupt in Albuquerque, and also you have some very famous missile bases like White Sands Missile Base, and you have Air Force bases and so forth down and around Las Cruces, and you also have I-10 and I-25 and I-40 that go through New Mexico. So while there are corners of New Mexico, like up in the corner by Las Vegas and Raton and those towns, you might be a little bit more safe there, but you get in that corner, you're pretty close to the Air Force Academy. And also there's military installations built in the Rocky Mountains in that part of Colorado. And also Colorado's politics are horrid. So I think you're starting to see a pattern here. There are places that look great on a map, but if you look a little closer, they're not so great. Now, where I am in west-central Nebraska, nobody really cares about us here, except for one thing that might make my area a target, and that's the fact that the Union Pacific Railroad runs right through here, and it's also about four miles from my house, and directly south of me, is the world's largest switching yard, or hump yard, however you want to say it. And that's where they disassemble all the trains as far as unhooking the cars from each other, put them on this great big hill, and then gravity makes them roll back down. And then they reconnect them to different trains to assemble the different trains that they want to pull through. So almost all the cargo that comes through the United States, at least through Nebraska, and most of the things that get unloaded off the ships, the Chinese merchandise that's going to New York and so forth, comes right through North Platte, and they assembled the trains here. So one well-placed bomb four miles from my house would pretty well disrupt the railroads in the United States to where they wouldn't even be functional. Now there's other hump yards, and so there are other routes they could go down south. Down south they have a major route, and up north they have the major route through Burlington Northern. So there are ways for the railroad to get through, but the main drag is four miles from my house. So am I safe? Well, as long as they don't hit that, I'm very safe because there's nothing else in the area. I have family that lives really close to, it's the pipeline crossroads of the world, and it definitely is of the United States, that every major pipeline goes through this town. 
every one of them. And there's vast amounts of storage tanks there. And so one well-placed bomb there would take out all of our petroleum. Because every major pipeline goes through there. That's where they all connect. So that's their junction. So that would be a target. So what do you do if you live there? So what I'm trying to say is every place can be a target. And then even if you're not a target, you have to take into consideration prevailing winds. Because what's going to affect most people is going to be the fallout and not the actual blast. And fortunately, you can find all that information about prevailing winds and you know all sorts of weather information about an area. But our country is shrinking. The politics that's happening in a lot of our different states is definitely going the wrong direction. Look at the horrible politics in Minnesota. Even though I like the great people of Minnesota, I don't ever plan on going back and visiting. I don't want to be anywhere near the type of people that they're electing to go into office. And I used to go to Minneapolis once in a while, but I'm not ever going to go back there. I think it's a lost cause. And I'm not trying to belittle any place. I'm just, that's just the way I feel. Same way with Texas. Texas used to be a place of rugged individualists. And Texas was kind of the symbol of American freedom. It really was, at least in this part of the country. And now you look at Austin, Texas, and, and that place is gone. And I hate to say this, but even Montana and Wyoming and parts of Nebraska and Kansas are being overrun by people that are leaving California but they're taking California with them. That's the sad part. And so it's kind of like a plague that's spreading. But I think you need to be real careful where you move. I'd make sure that if it was a town that only had a county road that went to it, that might be a great place. I'm going to put in a little plug for right smack dab in the middle of Nebraska. There are towns through the middle of Nebraska that are almost deserted. A lot of them are on county roads. Most of them haven't had a house built since 1930. There might be one or two downtown buildings that may or may not be occupied. And you could possibly go in and buy the whole town. Some of these towns are so small, there's only one or two households that even live there. And so if you have enough money, you could end up buying the whole town. Or you could buy a building in the town or build in the town. And some of these are on county roads, and they're definitely not a target for anything. And you could definitely grow your own food. And also, there's places in western Kansas. It's a lot more dry, a lot more desolate in western Kansas. But there's lots of little towns that you could go in with very little money and end up with a pretty nice house. As a matter of fact, if you sold an average house in, let's say, Los Angeles County, you could show up and buy probably four of the best houses in any small town in western Kansas and still have a lot of money to put in a bank account. There's that much difference. Like a house in Kansas that would sell for like 45000 would probably sell close to a million dollars in parts of L.A. Of course, location is everything, but, but if you're in Los Angeles and you want to get out, you can go to a small town, you could sell your house, go to a small town and still have enough in your bank account to live for maybe the rest of your life if you take care of that money. And so when I'm looking at bug out locations, I'm not really looking at a side of a hill somewhere where you're going to build a cabin and just go out there and live your life.
because I think we're going to have to stay somewhat connected. Now, having a cabin out by yourself is not a bad thing. If you can do that, then more power to you. But most people, that's just out of the question. So the best thing you can do is find a small town. And when you do find a small town that's out of the way, that's not in a target area, and the prevailing winds seem to be blowing fallout away from you, because what you would do is pick the nearest place you would think might be a target, and make sure the prevailing winds are blowing in that direction. Once you find that, then you can find out a little bit more about the demographics and who lives there. And in this day and age, you can get pictures on the Internet and find all sorts of census information. And then, by all means, jump in your car and go there. Knock on some doors. Tell them who you are and tell them you're thinking of investing in their town. And if the town is full of a bunch of weirdos and people that don't like strangers and you know you're not going to be welcome there, well, pass them up. Go to the next place. It's not going to be that hard to find a place, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to take a little doing. But on your drive to one place, you could be looking at others on the way and making a note to come back and check that area out if the place you're going to doesn't seem to want to work out. If the place you're going to check out initially doesn't pan out, then that'll give you an ace in the hole. In other words, I wouldn't have a deadhead trip out to one place just to look at it to come back home. Matter of fact, if you could set up a tour of five or six places and go do that, and you really need to move towards a strength. Don't run from anything. When you're retreating, that doesn't work. You're not running from the city. But you're going to safety and better times and hopefully some prosperity. So that has to be your mindset that you're going to something instead of going away from something. And you have to make sure that the place you're going is worth going to. Now, getting back to these Christian communities, the one that I checked out seemed to be okay. Everything seemed to line up, except the area is really dry. It's going to be really hard to garden in that area. Plus, it seemed like they were going to control the, they were going to control the population as each family would move in. They would have a cutoff of 10 families. And then after that, they would create a new place. And so you'd pretty much be stuck with the initial 10 families that moved there. And I'm not going to say the word cult because I don't think that's what they're trying to do. But I really think that you would kind of be stuck there. And if you would need to sell whatever you have there, it would be like a timeshare in a way because you'd have to find somebody willing to move into that situation. And finding another person that's going to pay you the money that you need that will actually move into that type of a situation, I think would be near impossible, especially if we're in really hard times. So you got to get this right the first time. And I would say getting it right is just doing your research and taking your time, but don't take too much time. Now, how much time do you have? Your guess is as good as mine. And also the evil people that we have in charge that are also idiots they're guilty of a lot of things, and they need something to cover it up, and they need a distraction. And what better way to have a distraction than to have a nuclear war? These people are dumb enough to do it. But let's say we take the nuclear war threat out. How long would you have then? Well, if we don't have any hostilities, I'd say you have about three years at most to get out of the towns. So if things calm down in Ukraine, you 
you don't have to be quite so fast of getting out of dodge. But that said, the quicker you can get out, the better, because I think our dollar is going to crash. I think our economy is toast. And so I think that if you have some money in your pocket, if you can spend that money while it still has some value and buy a house in a location that's safe, I think you're keeping your money together. I think you're keeping your net worth safe and you're getting rid of something that I think is going to be worthless within probably three to five years. And I know everyone has that carrot on a stick thing where it's always a year out or two years or three years. And then when that time comes, they just keep that same mantra and say, well, three years. You say, well, you said three years, three years ago. And I don't want to be one of those guys, but I do know that in my research, I'm finding out that there's just an awful lot of bad things happening. And all it would take is one little spark from one idiot to set off the whole thing. It would be like a gasoline fire. And gasoline fires are hard to control. And also, if you have children, you should have been gone years ago. If you have children, I don't care if the economy stays good. I don't care if Ukraine and Russia make up and everything's good. Get your kids out of those cities. Get them out. Get them out now. Even if you take a financial loss for your family, you have to leave the cities. Now, that's just my opinion. But you need to get those kids away from the drugs. The drug use in the cities is just off the charts. And they're selling drugs on the street, and you have nobody to back you up. And so I would get out of that city. I'd be out of that city yesterday. And on the other side of the break, I'll pick up where I left off. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from, whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations and we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off, it's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. 
This next song was recorded in 1902 by the Edison Military Band. America, played by the Edison Military Band. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. Replace despair with determination. And don't be afraid to rely on God and step out on the sea. Welcome back to the second half of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is your host, Jim Calhoun, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. And I really appreciate having you on board. Well, I took about 10 minutes in between taping the first half of the show and the second, and I saw something that was just terrifying. And it's on the gatewaypundit.com, and all you have to do is go there and check out the mysterious white dust, blankets parts of West Virginia. And look at the videos. I was talking about small towns. Well, there's lots of little small towns in West Virginia. But after watching these videos, it was like watching a snowstorm because this white dust, it wasn't small particles of dust. They're flakes. And it was coming down very heavy and leaving lots of residue all over the cars and all over people's houses and yards. And I'm sure that this is going to affect the food supply. And I'm sure there are people that have breathed in this that are going to have health issues. And so these people in the little small town in West Virginia that were just going about their daily business and doing their things they normally do are now victims of the controlled burn-off, which how do you control an outside fire like that? You can't control which way the wind blows. So that was not a controlled burn. That was a lie. But I think it confirms it was a chemical attack, and they knew what it would do. They knew that it would ruin the whole town of East Palestine, Ohio, and they knew that this was going to be blown where? East, towards the population centers. Put two and two together. You know, you're not the only one that's going to use prevailing winds for your benefit. Folks, we're under attack. How else can I say this? We are under an attack. Our own quote-unquote government wants us dead. I don't care how you slice it. All you have to do is take a look at the lack of response. And then when they did respond to the disaster in East Palestine, Ohio, you see that they really don't care. Well, you know, the 
illegitimate Joe, the big guy. He went over to the Ukraine. He didn't show up in East Palestine. Why? Because he didn't care. He's the one that, he's the one that probably, it was, it was his, it was his, it was likely someone in his cabinet that gave the go ahead to start the fire to do that so called controlled burn. So maybe we could give the big guy another 10%. Biden makes me want to vomit. That whole group of people just make me want to vomit. But I don't want to get on that. I want to get back onto my topic. But what I'm trying to say is, is that even a small town in this day and age, you don't know what might happen. These people on the video just can't believe it. They're out with their phones and they're videoing this. Looks like a snowstorm, but it's not. And they're like, what is this? Oh, my God. What is this? You can see that they're just absolutely flabbergasted of what they're seeing. And so if you lived on some mountainside somewhere, a hundred miles from your nearest neighbor, and you happen to be in the direction of prevailing winds of one of these attacks, well, it's going to come down and get you. And I hate to say this, but it's already getting you with the chemtrails of the airplanes. You can be very remote, like on the other side of the mountain, and take a look up and see that you're being sprayed like an insect. And so things are really serious. So I really don't think there's any real safe places because these evil people don't want any safe spaces. And so they're not going to allow any of them. But some places are more safe than others. And so I would look at a state that has a, a reputation for having competent, fair, and equal, and constitutional state government. That would rule out, I would say, probably half the states, regardless of how remote they were. I'm going to go back to New Mexico. I really do like the people of New Mexico. I like the scenery. I like the experience of going to New Mexico. There's some really great restaurants there. There's some really great people. And New Mexico has always been, to me, a great place to go, even though there's long stretches of just absolutely nothing. But that's one of the charms of New Mexico. But the government in New Mexico, as far as their state government, I think they're insane. And so I probably am not going to go back to New Mexico. Because I don't trust anything that might happen there. And I know I had to cross New Mexico in 2020, right when COVID was hitting. And the word was out that they were going to start closing highways. And so I didn't want to be stranded in New Mexico and have a lunatic, horrible, crazy governor. And so I didn't want to be stuck in that state. And all the way through that state, I couldn't wait to get out of it. And I've never went back, and I've never felt like I wanted to. And that's too bad, because I really do like New Mexico. I'm one of those that I mean what I say. And when I tell people to avoid an area, well, I avoid it too. I don't tell someone to avoid an area, then go there myself. Same way with Colorado. Eastern Colorado has great places to move. There's great small towns in eastern Colorado. There's great people in eastern Colorado. Great farm country, great ranch country. Really good people, salt of the earth. But the politics coming out of Denver, there's no way that I would ever move to Colorado. 
As a matter of fact, people are moving out of Colorado in droves. I would say Nebraska is getting probably several hundred thousand people moving every year from Colorado is either moving to Nebraska or they're moving to another state that borders Colorado, which would be Kansas or Wyoming. I'm sure there's a few moving to Utah and also possibly some to New Mexico. And you have that little sliver of the panhandle of Oklahoma, and that's called no man's land, and that's because there's not a lot of people that live there. And and because of its location, and also during the 19th century with the different land acts, the Kansas-Nebraska Act, and, and the splitting the country as far as free and slave, it created an area called no man's land. And that area was known for lawlessness because they didn't have any official law there for quite some time. Well, there's lots of little small towns, and that's out of the way. So I would have to say that the panhandle of Oklahoma would be a place I would actually look. Western Kansas, central Nebraska. There are places in Missouri and Arkansas that I would look at. And then also Iowa has some very beautiful small towns. If you want to have a nice, clean, classy town, then I would seriously look into Iowa. Iowa has some of the cleanest, nicest, classiest little towns of any state in the Union. And I don't live in Iowa. I don't know very many people there. But I know that the people of Iowa have a lot of pride, and they have some absolutely beautiful little towns. And there are places in Idaho, and there's places in Utah, and possibly some places in Nevada, but there again you're getting into missile silos. You're, you're getting into missile silos in the western part of the United States. And so you really have to really watch where you move in the western part of the United States. As far as eastern United States, well, I was going to mention West Virginia and places like that, even though people are moving to West Virginia and the population has been growing. But after seeing that West Virginia has now been attacked by the same attack that they attacked Ohio, of course, West Virginia borders Ohio, so you almost would expect that they'd get some of the they would get some of the residual fallout as far as the chemical coming out of the sky but there are some places down south that would be good places to go in the deep south so there are places that you can go but really what you have to do is match the area with your personality your tastes your likes your dislikes like if you don't want to live in the bible belt if you don't like barbecue if you don't like seafood then don't move then don't move to a southern state on the Gulf Coast. If you don't like humidity, don't move there. If you like it hot, if you like humidity, if you like warmer winters, if you like seafood and like barbecue and, and like the lifestyle of the South, then definitely Mississippi, Alabama, there's some areas down there that that would be very safe. But there again I'd stay away from the large cities. There's also some places in Kentucky and Tennessee, and I'm not going to mention all of the states here, but there are some safe locations. So do your research. Make sure that the climate is agreeable. Make sure that the lifestyle in that area is agreeable. And also, go down and meet people. Meet your neighbors before you put any money into a house. And if you find a place that really seems to be too good to be true, well, possibly you need to give it a second look because it might be too good to be true. Look for that little hidden gotcha. Because we're living in a world of deception right now. And so I'm going to use the old saying of 
measure twice and saw once. So do your research, and once you find a town that you've decided that you really want to go to, we'll double down and check it again. Check it a little bit deeper. Make sure that you didn't miss anything the first time. Then when you move, you're actually going to a place that you're excited about going to, and you're going to be able to build a future there. And I know a lot of people that live in the big city, they miss that big city. They want to go back. I'm going to tell you people that feel that way, the big city that you loved is gone. The big city that you loved is now a war zone with drugs and gangs. The big city that you loved is not ever coming back. So you'd be better off to find a new life, some new likes and some new dislikes, make some new friends, get a new area, and be safe. And if you can, move to a farmstead outside of one of these small towns. You don't have to move inside the town. Now, a lot of these small towns you can keep, and you can have some livestock, and you can grow gardens. A lot of these small towns are just barely a little scratch on the prairie. In some of these towns, you can walk from one end to another in about five minutes or less. And so towns like that are very loose-knit. And as long as you're not bothering your neighbor and have a donkey out there braying 24 hours a day, I'm sure they wouldn't have any trouble with some goats or pigs or chickens or other small animals like that. And also, you have to check your county zoning and your and any township laws. And you can't just move in and do what you want to do. So you have to check out the whole area really close. The laws involved and so forth and so on. Find out if it's a heavily taxed state, income tax, and also property tax. So it's a juggling act. But... Since you're moving to safety, I would have the income tax and the property tax would not be that high on my list. That would be my safety would be first. If there was a place I felt really safe, but it had a real high tax rate, I would discount that real high tax rate and say, well, that's the cost of me being real safe. That's just me. That's what I would recommend. But you people that live in a city, you have to be open to having some chickens, learning how to raise chickens, learning how to gather the eggs, learning how to store the eggs. There are things that you're going to have to do that your great-grandparents knew how to do. It was probably a daily thing for them. And don't think that being anything in agriculture is beneath you. Now, I've been talking on Truth to Ponder, which I do guest host at least once a week. I was talking about this psychological operation that we're all victims of. And one of the psyops that they did early on in the 20th century was to make the people that lived in the country feel like they were uneducated fools. That if you moved to a city, you were sophisticated. If you moved to a city, you had a future. If you moved to the city, you would be somebody. But if you stayed out on the farm, you're just going to be a country bumpkin, a nobody, a, cl a clodhopper. And so all during the 20th century, people just left the farms in droves because they went for opportunities and things in the big cities. Well, the families that stayed as clod hoppers out in the middle of nowhere, they're actually better off now. They're happier. They live in better communities. They're safer. They're probably a lot better off in every which way you can measure being well off. And so you have to understand that that feeling that you have in the back of your head of 
Oh, yuck, farmers. Oh, yuck, farm animals. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Oh, what's that? What's that pile of thing that that animal just left? Oh, no, I can't handle it. You have to understand that if that's your attitude, then you're likely not going to be a survivor. Because where this world is heading, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and do what you need to do. And you have to be willing and able. And I've heard of several people that have moved from the city into rural areas where the spouse is very unhappy because the spouse misses the opportunities and the the friendships and the shopping and all of the things that a big city has to offer. And they look out the window and they just see prairie and they see nothingness. They say, well, there's nothing here. I don't like it here. There's nothing here. Well, that's the point. There's nothing there that's going to harm you. And that vast prairie is a wonderland. Instead of walking down concrete and looking at buildings, walk on the green grass and look at nature. Look at the flowers. Look at the different insect and animal life that's there. You can always find something that's beautiful if you look for it. I'm not saying that all cities are horrible all the time. I'm just saying that cities are horrible to live in in this time of history. So I do recommend you leaving the cities. But that kind of leads me to the last thing I wanted to talk about is having the spouse that actually will go along with what you want to do. You're going to have to have a meeting with your spouse, and you might have to agree to disagree. That might be the best you can do. But if you truly feel that your life is in danger, especially if you have children, if you really feel that you are right and your spouse wants to stay where you're at because your spouse just loves the area and loves the shopping and loves the friends, and I want to remind you of Sodom and Gomorrah when Lot's wife had to turn back because she couldn't stand to leave, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And why is that so important for me to talk about? Well, I think God has put a lot of instances in the Bible that have recycled through the generations. But I truly think we're living in biblical times right now. And so a lot of the examples that we have of Noah and also Lot let us know that not a lot of people are going to survive what's coming. How many people survived the flood? Not many. How many people survived Sodom and Gomorrah? Not many. How many people are going to survive this mess? Well, I would hazard a guess, not many. I think a lot more people are going to perish than are going to make it through this. And so you're going to have to do your best to convince your spouse to get on board. But if your spouse doesn't get on board, you have three choices. Stay where you're at and face the consequences of whatever that might be. Tell your spouse that they're going no matter what and pack them up and take them along with you. And tell your spouse that you were moving and your spouse was coming too and give them that last chance and give them a stern warning that if they don't want to come, well, then they're not going to go and you're just going to leave them. I guess those are your choices. I guess there's two choices. But really, I think that it's that important. And just like the American Civil War in the 1860s divided families, 
this whole COVID mess and the and the Great Reset and the the World Economic Forums and the collapsing economy and the war over in Ukraine and the corrupt government, we have things that are really dividing friends and family right now. There are lots of friendships being lost because of all the garbage. And there's lots of marriages and relationships being ruined because of all the garbage. A lot of people are really edgy, and they're really quick to anger because they're frustrated. And so when you're talking to your spouse about going to a safe space, if you get resistance, you're going to have to check your anger, and you're going to have to try to be persuasive in love and do the best that you can. And I hope you're successful. Now, here's my prediction to those who are going to stay in the city. I think you're going to be trapped, and this is how I think you're going to get trapped, is I think that you're going to have a house that is eventually not going to be worth anything. Nobody's going to buy a house in a drug area or a gang-infested area. They're not going to buy a house in a city that's dying. And all of our cities in this country are definitely dying. And so you're not going to be able to hold your money together. And your biggest possession, if you own a house, will be your house. And if you own a car and not a house, if you're renting, if the car is your most expensive asset, well, you're likely to have your car vandalized, have your catalytic converter taken or or burned in a riot or stolen, and your apartment or house might get burgled. And so you never really know just when your material wealth is going to disappear. But I really think that if you stay in the cities, the chances of that happening are rather great. And then what about the physical altercations? What about the rapes and the robberies and the muggings and these people that are playing this knockout game where they find somebody that's usually old and frail and they come up behind and knock them out and they video it and these people are really proud of bushwhacking some old person. You're not going to find hardly any sympathy or empathy in the big cities. I watched a video of what I think is an off-duty female cop who was black, had a black man come up and try to rob her. And she struggled with the guy, and she said, I'm going to kill you. You leave me alone, I'm going to kill you. And he had a hold of her, he wouldn't let go, and she shot him. He hit the ground, and she said, you're stupid. I told you I was going to kill you. And then she shot him again. And then he was down on the ground saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. And she said, I told you I'd kill you, and she shot him again. And then as he laid there dying, she kept scolding him, said, I told you, you're stupid. Said, you got what you deserved. I told you I'd kill you. Now I've killed you. There you lay there dying. And I was thinking, wow, you know, that's very callous. She already killed the guy. He was laying there bleeding out. And she nagged him the rest of the way till he died. And I thought, well, she didn't have any remorse whatsoever of having to kill a fellow human being. As a matter of fact, if she could have killed him a hundred times, she probably would have. And so that's what I'm trying to say is I don't think there's any empathy. I know this woman, she was justified in shooting the guy because he was trying to harm her. And so I don't blame her. But her actions after she shot him were rather chilling. So I think that we have to understand that it's time for us to make some huge decisions. I'm going to address one more thing, just really quick. 
If you take the advice of this guy on the radio that says, flee the cities, get out, and you leave the city and you find out you don't like where you moved and you'd rather be in the city and nothing happens and so forth and so on, I'm going to have to say that I still think I've done you a favor because it's going to be up to you to be happy where you go, not up to me or anyone else. But you can never, ever guess of what could have happened to you had you stayed in that city. Maybe nothing. Maybe you'd be dead. Maybe somewhere in between. But if you have a family and you can raise your family not around fear, not around drugs, not around all the lawlessness that's going on inside the big cities, no matter where you move, you're better off. And so even if I'm wrong about how bad things are going to get, I still think you're going to be better off. Well, I hope that someone got something from the show today. I don't want to come in a spirit of fear, but I think it's time that we got real serious about our long-term arrangements in life, about our long-term safety. And so we need to make the right arrangements and decisions in our life for our own personal safety and well-being. If you get something from this show, if you like the Living Off-Grid Power and Information show, we're heading into a new month. And that means it's time to pay for the airtime for this broadcast. And I will say that I have some very good donors that have been donating, and I really appreciate it very much. But I'd like to have this show be secure to where it can come to you month after month. And also, I would love to grow this show. And so if you would like to partner with me, I'd appreciate that very much. And you can send a check or money order. And you would write the check out to Thunderbolt West Media. And you would mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163. P.O. Box 163. Hershey, Nebraska. Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 6911. Or three, and your donations are very much appreciated. Well, thanks for listening today. I appreciate it. And until next time, stay safe. Really think about what I said today. Look into places that would be a great place to live. Keep your powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.